Well, today I'm excited. We're beginning a new message series, which is called Beyond Borders. And in this series, we're going to be talking about the topic of missions. But the way we're going to approach missions is really much broader than what most people think. So let's begin by asking, what is missions? And I'd encourage you to take out a white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline written out. Uh, we'll fill in the blanks uh, that are going to appear so that you can take some notes. What is missions? Well, rather than going to the dictionary, let's go to the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about missions. Matthew 28, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, the Bible talks about missions from Genesis to Revelation, but this verse, commonly called the Great Commission, really summarizes what missions is all about. Now, the primary verb in the Greek language here in this verse, not apparent in the English, is to make disciples. That's one word in the Greek language. That is the primary verb. That is what the command is all about, about making disciples. And we make disciples by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. And so the definition of missions would be making disciples of Jesus Christ from all nations. Making disciples for Jesus Christ from all nations. So who is to be involved in missions? We commonly think of missions as missionaries going to foreign lands, and that's a job for missionaries, and we're not missionaries, so it doesn't involve us. Well, let's see. This command of Jesus was originally spoken to the 11 disciples. But how does this end? It says, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Did these 11 disciples live till the end of the age? No, the end of the age is when Jesus returns. We are still living. We haven't reached the end of the age yet. And so this, this command and the promise applies to every believer uh, from the time Jesus gave it until he returns again. The commands of Jesus are not optional. Uh, Jesus, this is a command. Go, therefore, and make disciples. They're not optional. John 14, 21 says, Jesus said, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And so if we love Jesus, we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to obey. We're going to obey them. Now, normally, as I said, when we hear the word missions, we think of missionaries going to foreign lands. But missions, although it includes that aspect, really is a broader topic. So let's look briefly at the three areas of missions. There's the three areas of missions uh, by those concentric circles we have. Now, we live right smack dab in the middle of the world, right? St. Louis is the center of the universe, and that's where we live. Uh, that is our local area. Then beyond that is our country, the country of America. And beyond that is the world. And each of these circles is part of missions. And as we'll see, God desires for believers to be involved in every of, in each of these three areas. And, uh, excuse me, I've got a allergy or something. I'm on three medications, but the nose keeps running, so you'll have to bear with me. So there are three ways that we are to be involved in missions. 
that each of us is to be, as it were, missionaries. And these three areas are to pray, to give, and to go. And so today, in today's message and in future messages, we're going to unpack how we can take practical actions in these three areas to pray, to give, and to go. Let's go back to the title of our series, Beyond Borders. What's that all about? Well, borders, you know, there's borders to uh, cities. There are borders to our country. Uh, and borders may be barriers that keep us from going beyond the borders in which we feel we're constrained by. And God wants us to go beyond the borders that we have in our lives, beyond the things that we're comfortable with, into new areas in order to tell people about Jesus, in order to pray and to give and to go. And so God wants us to break through the barriers that hold us back from obeying his command to make disciples. Now today, I've entitled the message, God the Seeker. Why must, be, why must we be involved in missions? Well, first of all, because God commands it. We've already talked about it. But secondly, we are to do missions because God himself is involved in missions. God himself is involved in seeking the lost, and we are to be like him. John 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. And so Jesus came to save the lost and make disciples. And we, as followers of him, must make that a primary purpose of our life, to seek and save the lost. And so this morning we're going to go back, way back to the book of Genesis, to better understand why the lost need to be saved and how God showed the way to reach them from the very beginning of time. And so in the beginning, God created a paradise. Matthew, uh, Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. And so in the beginning, God created everything there is. He created a paradise for man to live in, the Garden of Eden. He spoke the universe into existence with his word. He created everything that we see, everything that we can't see from nothing by the power of his word. And what God created was very good. It was the perfect place for mankind to live in relationship with God. Well, you see, man was created sinless. And the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. I mean, that's a state of innocence they were created in. He was created in this beautiful garden. And they could do absolutely anything they wanted except for one thing. God commanded them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's intention was that man would eat from the tree of life and so would enjoy eternal life together with him. Because God created man for a relationship. Verse 126, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. <clears throat> and so man was created in the image of God so he could have a relationship with God. You know, all the other animals that God created, they weren't created in the image of God. They cannot have a relationship with God the way that a man can because we were created in God's image. What is a relationship? It's a relationship in which two parties can communicate. Man can talk to God. God can talk to man. 
The relationship that God created the first people, Adam and Eve, in was a relationship in which they would rule over the world or have dominion over the world that God had created under the direction and authority of God. And so God created man, it was in his heart, to have this relationship that would last forever. But as we go on in the story, we're going to see how an enemy came in to seek to thwart God's plan. And so God never gave up on his plan of paradise, of a paradise filled with people in an eternal relationship with him. Now, if you're a believer this morning and you have a relationship with God, then God commands you to partner with him in missions. First of all, in the area in which we live, in the area of St. Louis, we are to go beyond the comfortable borders in our lives to make disciples in our city, helping people get saved, helping people get planted into a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. And so if you are part of Life Church, your goal should be to help add people to this church. As we grow, we can disciple more and more people for Jesus Christ. And so we've talked about this before. I'm going to mention it again. We'd like every attender and member to accept what we call the plus one challenge. The plus one challenge is simply making a commitment to doing everything you can to add one new person to the church family this year in 2017. And so if you haven't already done so, on your Connect card, you might want to take it out. And let's see where that's at. On the Connect card, on the back side of your name, my decision today is to accept the Plus One Challenge 2017. And so we'd like to ask you, if you haven't done that before, to, to uh, accept that challenge. Now, you're going to do everything you can. You're going to pray, you're going to invite, you're going to seek to reach people for Jesus. It's something that every believer should be doing, whether you check the box or not. But this is just a way between you and God to be accountable for that. And throughout this message series, in the, uh, the message today and the ones in the future, we're going to give you practical ways that you can reach people for Jesus. And so let's get back to our story and continue with what happened in the paradise of Eden. We see an intruder entered. Satan entered paradise, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Well, the serpent here in paradise is identified in the Bible and other places as Satan himself. Satan's an evil spirit. He's bent on opposing everything that God does, everything that God is, opposing God himself. The Bible says that, or Jesus said, that Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because man was made in God's image, and so he seeks to destroy man in every way possible. And so in this verse, Satan begins his conversation, and what does he do? He lies. Uh, he's a liar from the very beginning. This statement did God say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Well, God didn't say that. God said, you can eat of all the trees. There's only one that you can't eat from. And so he begins by lying, by misrepresenting what God said. And then he goes on to tempt man. Serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And so Satan tempts Eve to disobey God's command and eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He insinuates, first of all, that God is keeping them from some great good, that if they eat of this tree, wonderful things are going to happen. And the thing that God said would happen, if they ate from it, would not happen. And so the penalty of sin, Satan says, is not going to happen. And there's going to be, rather than a penalty for disobeying God, there's going to be a great reward. He completely reverses what God had said. And of course, that's the essence of all temptation, is it not? That's what Satan does to us today. He says, well, you can sin and it's going to be to your benefit. It's going to be enjoyable. And by the way, you're not going to reap any consequences of that sin. It's all lies. But the temptation was effective. And both Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sinned. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so here we see the threefold aspects of temptation. Pretty much every temptation can be broken down into these three categories, and this one uh, fit all three categories. First of all, as talked about in 1 John, we don't have time to look at it, is the desires of the flesh. Uh, the tree was good for food. Anybody here ever tempted by food? A couple hands, you know. Uh, we still can be tempted by the desires of the flesh, which obviously is be, uh, broader than simply food. The desires of the eye, uh, it, this tree looked good. It was a delight to the eyes. And finally, it was the, uh, to make one wise, to make one uh, proud, proud, the pride of life. And so Eve disobeyed God, handed the fruit to Adam. He willingly took it and followed in her sin. And that sin, which is known as the fall, affected every aspect of creation and humans down to our day today. And so what happened with Adam and Eve is true of every person since then. Every person is tempted by Satan, disobeys God, and sins. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every single person on this planet has sinned. They've yielded to temptation at some point in their lives, and all of us have yielded many times, and they've sinned. They've disobeyed God. We've disobeyed God. And once you've sinned, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't reverse it. You can't take it back. It's an irreversible act. And that's why every person needs a Savior because we don't have time to get into it, but the curse that God pronounced for Adam and Eve's sin was they would surely die. And that's where death came into the world. That's why we die. That's why we don't live forever. But he wasn't just talking about physical death. He's also talking about spiritual death. That's why we die spiritually. That's why we're separated from a holy God, because of our sin. Each one of us has sinned, and that's why we need a Savior. To save us from what? From the consequences of our sin. From the eternal death that is our due because we have sinned. And so that's where you and I come in. As believers, if you're a believer here today, your destiny in life is to lead people to Jesus who alone can save them. Every person needs a Savior. 
And then we bring them into Jesus' church so they can in turn lead others to God. And so the second area that God calls us to reach, we first talked about reaching St. Louis briefly. Today we're going to talk about our country, the USA. And while many of us uh, may not be sent out from St. Louis to other parts of the country, we may at times, in fact in the future we may have short-term mission trips that do that, but we can all pray for our country, can we not? We need to pray for the United States of America. Our country needs our prayer. Our country is in a downward spiral of, away from God, and we need to pray for it. A week ago, I was at a conference with a man named Mike McCary. He's a leader in the Church Multiplication Network, and the Church Multiplication—can't say that fast. Say that fast three times. Church Multiplication Network uh, is a U.S. church planting network. It is the U.S. church planting network of the Assemblies of God of which we are part of. And currently, there are about 13,000 Assembly of God churches in the USA. The Church Multiplication Network, in coordination with the leadership of the Assemblies of God, has now made a goal that in the next 10 years, they want to plant 10,000 new churches in the United States, which would almost double the number of churches the Assemblies of God has. And so that's a massive goal, and they're seeking to raise $100 million to do that uh, as well, which will really uh, be useful for that. And so we want to pray for success. Many, many of the churches in America, many churches, hundreds of churches are closing every week. The mainline churches are straying further and further away from the Bible and God, and we need God to move in, in new Bible-believing, Spirit-filled churches to be planted. At, in St. Louis, we're believing God to plant 20 new churches and assemblies of God in the next three years. And um, I've kind of been remiss at telling you everything that's going on, and so I'm going to begin to address that this morning, if my nose permits me. If I don't do that, I'm going to drip on my notes, okay? Just, just to be disgusting. So um, I'm trying not to do that. But our newest church in St. Louis was launched just uh, two weeks ago. Okay, it's called City Reach Church St. Louis. And uh, this is kind of a, a short video of their website, okay? City Reach Church St. Louis. And actually the pastor is in the middle there, Alfred Long. We're going to scroll down on the page, and it's a little small, but there's Alfred and his wife, Casey. Okay, and they are planting this church down on 11th Street in the city, the city of St. Louis. And uh, Alfred has a tremendous testimony of being delivered from drugs through the ministry of Teen Challenge when he was younger. And uh, we believe God is going to use them mightily in the city of St. Louis to reach the people there for, for Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage you, one of the things on the, your white page in the middle is uh, you see at the bottom it says action plan. It's actually, uh, you know, things just kind of blend in when you see them every Sunday. But that's something, something to write down that you're going to do this week. One thing I'd like to ask you to write down there is to pray for City Reach Church. Let's just pray for them. And the pastor is Alfred Long. At the end of the service we're going to pray for them as well. But pray for them this week. Uh, it's not easy work starting a new church. 
and pray that God would be with them, uh, that God would help them reach lost people, and the church would be a great success as they seek the lost, as Jesus did. The St. Louis uh, Assemblies of God, I mean, just add, is, uh, is incredibly ethnically diverse. Uh, 40% is non-Caucasian. Uh, people don't realize that. It's very young. The whole United States, 55% uh, is under the age of 35. So the Assemblies of God is, is, I think, is the only denomination or fellowship in the United States that's still growing, and it's uh, continuing to grow, and we want it to grow in St. Louis, reach many more people for Jesus. And so God himself seeks after sinners. Back to our story in Genesis 3. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This is Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And so these verses tell us that God regularly walked in the garden and conversed with Adam and Eve. God in a relationship with man in paradise. And yet this day, something was different. Rather than walking and talking with God, Adam and Eve were hiding in the bushes. They were hiding themselves from God. And so God called out to Adam. Well, he knew full well where he was, but he called out and said, where are you? And so God was showing his love for them by seeking the lost and hiding people. And you see, lost people hide from God. It's true back then. It's true today. The Bible says that lost people aren't seeking after God. They're hiding. And so somebody needs to seek after them. Somebody needs to go after them. That's the only way they're going to come to God. And so God didn't just leave Adam and Eve there. He went after them. He questioned them. He called to them. And of course, that's an example for us as well. You see, the sin of Adam and Eve had broken their relationship with God. Now, Adam responded to God's inquiry, where are you? In verse 10, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, that's God, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And of course, they had. And disobedience to God's command or sin broke the relationship that mankind had with God. And after sinning, man became afraid of God and went into hiding. They were ashamed of their condition. And they hid themselves from God. They separated themselves from God. Now, God knew what had happened. He questioned Adam about what he had done. And not only had sin broken that relationship with God, but paradise itself no longer existed. It was lost. And God pronounced a curse upon the serpent, upon Adam, upon Eve, upon the whole earth. And we'll just read one verse of it in Genesis 3:17. And to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And so because of sin... The relationship of man with God was broken and a curse came upon men, women, the earth, and all of its contents. 
That's why you have crabgrass in your lawns, okay? Because of the curse. Weeds. And weeds in your garden, you just can't stop them. They keep coming up and they make life difficult. Difficulty of work. Death, we already talked about, is a consequence of sin. Pain in childbirth for a woman, they're all part of the curse. And so the paradise that God had created was lost because of man's sin. Now one day, paradise will be restored. When Jesus returns again, be restored in a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells, in which sin is eliminated, in which only believers in relationship with God live, in which Satan is excluded. But that's a whole other topic. But until that time, God makes a way for the broken relationship between man and God to be restored as God provides forgiveness. Genesis 3 21 says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So immediately after, we don't have time to read all the verses here, but immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, they became ashamed of themselves. They realized they were naked, and so they sewed together fig leaves and clothed themselves with fig leaves. But they still were hiding from God. They still were ashamed. What they tried to do for themselves to hide their sin didn't work. And so God, what did he do? He killed some animals. There was blood that was shed, and he made for them garments of animal skins for clothes. And so I believe this is an account of the first sacrifice. Involved the shedding of blood, which brought a covering or atonement for their sin. And it looked ahead, as all the Old Testament sacrifices, to the one-time perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so at the beginning of the book of Genesis, we see God seeking after sinners to bring forgiveness. And so God has called us as a church, as believers, to be missionaries, each and every one of us, to seek after the lost, to seek after those not connected with a healthy church family. He's calling us to be active in St. Louis, America, in the entire world. He's calling us to give three actions of going, of praying, and giving. Your tithe, the first 10% of your income, goes to support your local church life church and our outreach in the St. Louis area. We encourage you to regularly give an offering above your tithe to support missions. And the missions that we support is both in the United States and around the world. And so in closing today, we're going to watch a video about Assembly of God World Missions, it's called We Hear the Call. And as we watch this video, I want you to pray. Because I believe God is going to be calling you. He's going to be calling you to move beyond where you're at right now with respect to missions. I believe that each of us, if we really listen to the Spirit of God this morning, need to repent for really not obeying God's commands to seek the lost as He does. We need to repent of not going, praying, and giving as we should. Repentance means changing our minds to moving on with God, to moving on in the things that He has to a greater extent, to doing our part to seek the lost here in St. Louis, in America, and around the world. So let's watch this video. It's called Beyond Borders, We Hear the Call. So we're part of something much, much bigger than most people realize. 
thousands of missionaries in virtually every country of the world and uh, reaching something like 70 million people are part of over 350,000 churches around the world. Some of you here today may be hearing the call of God to become a believer, to follow the simple steps of admitting you've sinned, believing in Jesus as your Savior and committing your life to follow Him as Lord. And that's what it means to be a believer. A lot of people just want to go to heaven. They want their sins forgiven and go to heaven. That's not what it means to be saved. That's the first part. But the most important thing is committing your life to Jesus as Lord, to following Him as your Master, to doing what He tells you to do in His Word. And so we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. Uh, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to take that step of faith today. Or perhaps you want to recommit your life to Him. Perhaps you don't feel like you've really made Jesus Lord of your life. Well, God wants you to do that this morning. So let's pray together. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things in my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and took my sins upon Himself, paid the price that I might be saved. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Savior and Lord. I want to have this eternal relationship with you that's going to last forever. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today, we hear your call to seek the lost as you do, to be missionaries for you. We repent of not caring about the lost as you do, God. And today, we repent of not going, of not praying and giving as you command. We want to increase in this. And so we make a commitment today to make a change in our lives with your help. We will be your missionaries, beginning right here in St. Louis. We will let your light shine without shame in our lives. And we'll do what we can to reach the rest of America and the entire world. God, we know it's going to take sacrifice, and so we make a commitment to sacrifice of ourselves and our resources to see this church here reach hundreds more in the city of, in the metro area of St. Louis and many more around the world. God, we pray that you'd begin to call people from this church family to be church planters. In St. Louis, in America, we pray you call people to be missionaries that would go to other countries to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're excited to see what you're going to do as we walk in obedience. And today we lift up this newly planted church in the heart of the city of St. Louis, City Reach Church St. Louis, God. As they meet this morning, right now, we pray for your hand of blessing upon them. We pray for the pastors, Alfred and Casey Long, God, encourage their hearts. Give them the resources they need. Bring people to them to cause that church to grow and flourish and reach many people for Jesus. We pray that this church in the heart of St. Louis City would make a difference in that city for you. That they would be a place of peace, a place of unity, a place of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.